Hashtag Pistons. Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. Joined, as usual, by Kuka Hill. You can find him on Twitter at Kuka Hill NBA. He is the site expert editor of PistonPower.com. Um, we're going to hop right into it. I, I really have a vested interest in keeping us from going way over time. Uh, we say this all the time that we're going to stay under a certain amount of time, but I've actually got real interest in it now because we're recording this. Uh, I don't know, it's a little past 10.30 certain this. i got to be up at like 6 tomorrow. So, yeah, I want to get this I want to get this done. But we've been away for a while. Um, the West Coast trip kind of kind of hurt us because, once again, normally we record our podcast at night after the game. And obviously on that West Coast trip, all the games are getting done at like midnight or later. So that was pretty rough on us. Uh, so, yeah, been a little bit, but we're back, and I don't know why we wouldn't be mostly back to regular scheduled programming. Uh, so, the Pistons, um, when this comes out, at least it'll have been yesterday, played a game against the Washington Wizards. The Pistons lost 87-101. to Pistons fall to 20-26 and on the season. Blake Griffin led the way with 29 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists. Other than that, it was pretty pitiful. Uh, Reggie Bullock had 12 points and four assists. Reggie Jackson did nothing. Zaza Pachulia did nothing. Bruce Brown did nothing. Luke Kennard did nothing. I literally, the Reggie Bullock with 12 points is the only other guy who even had over 10 points in this game. So, um, the only other guy who gets any sort of a positive mention would probably be Kyrie Thomas, who in limited minutes looked good again. Um, obviously they were without Andre Drummond, which I'm sure we'll talk about some, but, uh, to start off, I think Ku, you could just sort of any general thoughts on, on the game. Um, my main thought to take away from this game was, uh, honestly something I don't think many people were paying attention to possibly, but, um, Luke Kennard getting eight shots is, uh, something I'm looking for, looking at. And paying attention to. I actually wrote a piece today about Luke Kennard, uh, him being our biggest takeaway over the last like five games, the big, last stretch. That's what we should be taking away from this. And this is why. This is why, because Luke Kennard, the main thing with Luke Kennard has been his hesitant, him being hesitant and not being so like aggressive with his thing making. He's been shy a little bit. He doesn't. You can attribute that to whatever you want. Maybe looking over. Uh, whatever you want, him being scared, not knowing like what his role, like whether if he can shoot this and not be taken out, or if, can he miss two shots and not have to be taken out. Whatever you want, but we all agree that we need an aggressive Luke Kennard. And in my piece today, I, I wrote about how in this last game, Joe actually mentioned it. Reggie Bullock's the only person who scored in double figures outside of Blake this game. Before this game, um, Luke Kennard was the only person to score in double figures outside of Blake. So. It just shows that the Pistons need badly some offensive production from the wing. And one thing I've been, I want to watch the rest of the year is I want to make sure Luke Kennard at least gets like 10 shots. I want him to get like 10 shots a game. Here, here. Let me, let me hop in on this a second. Okay. Um, Because I just want to, you may have been working around to this point. And if so, then sorry for cutting you off on it. But um now, look, it's two-game sample size, so it's not like we've got a huge sample size here or anything. But um, I hope that the, these two games, because like you said, so 
In this game, Reggie Bullock was the only non-Blake player to get over 10 points, and he only had 12. Last game, it was Luke Kennard, and he had 19, of course, but other than that, no one else was over 10 points, okay? I hope that that, at the very least, once again, if you want to hold out because, you know, it's only two games, whatever, but I hope that people can at least make that, make them think twice next time they say, we need to replace Andre with literally anybody, and, you know, this is kind of the point that we've tried to make with by talking about how not, he, you know, especially compared to other quote-unquote rim-running centers. Obviously, Andre's not actually that much of a rim-running center in this offense, but that's another thing. You know, not that many of his point of his buckets are assisted. He creates a lot of his own offense. They're putting him in bad situations, etc. But it's like, who else is scoring those points, you know? And I think there's a lot of people who they seem to think that, well, if we take Andre out of the equation, someone else will score and they'll be more efficient. And it's kind of like, I mean, (laughs) I don't know that that's true. And we've got two games of evidence now that suggest, actually, you know, Andre scoring a lot of points but not being that efficient, that may just be because, you know, (laughs) that may actually just be their best option, right? And while obviously both of us think that they should be trying to get him those points in different ways, but I hope that that just makes, you know, if you want to hold on to it because it's only two games, then whatever, I'm not going to argue with you because I'm a big sample size guy, but, um, you know, I hope that that at least gives some people some pause about that, you know, basic idea that we need to replace Andre with literally anybody else and it'll end up with a more efficient offense because we have two games in a row where it's like, no, no one else is scoring those points. And, yeah, so, sorry, you can keep going on whatever you're going to say. Yeah, so, well, just to say something about what Joe just said, um, he said that there's only been two games and it's not been very good on offense. Well, I'll just say that uh, Dwayne Casey, it hasn't been good all year because of Dwayne Casey. So, whatever it is, I had to get my little dig in at Dwayne Casey before I continue. But, basically, what I was saying was, I just want I want to see Luke Kennard at least get 10 shots up per game just to show that he's being aggressive. And I, I literally mentioned this exact point in this article. You can go check it out on Piston Power. I literally mentioned this exact point that it's not about the fact that he doesn't even have to shoot like 60% doing it. He doesn't have to shoot a good percentage. I, I just want to see him shoot at least 10 times just to show that he's being aggressive. I think that's the main thing with Luke is that not him making shots. We all know he can score. We all know that he has he's flashed the ability to work in the pick and roll and play make. It's just the fact that we need him to be aggressive and want to do those things and want to show those things. So as long as he's being aggressive and, like, each game you see that he's getting his shots up and he's not, like, shying away from taking shots, then that's that's immediate progress for me. So that's the thing I took from this game. He got eight shots up. He only was two for eight. But if you watched it, I stopped watching. I got to be honest. I stopped watching towards the beginning of the fourth. I couldn't take it no more. But in the first half, he was shooting. He was taking a lot of shots, and he wasn't making them, but he kept – shooting and shooting. He didn't let the cold streak stop him from shooting. And that's what I want to see from him. I want to see him continue to be aggressive, understand his role, understand that he needs to be aggressive for us to even have a chance to do anything. And it seems like that he was understanding. He's coming around to that. But like Joe said, it's a small sample size, but I feel like with this kind of thing, uh, Joe can disagree, but I, I think that with this kind of thing, it isn't really like a, a small sample size kind of thing. It's not like I'm saying that, he needs to continue to score 18 points a game and shoot this percentage. I think just seeing like over the last three games that he's being ultra, ultra uh, aggressive, especially it coming right after him being like have having to be held back on the bench 
because he was like spazzing. I think this is like just showing that he's okay. I understand. I got benched. I spaz. They need me to be aggressive. Okay, fine. I'll be aggressive. And I think this is like, I think this is, I don't think that this is like a sample size kind of thing you need to look at. I think this is like something you can just see now and be like, okay, he understands. He needs to be aggressive. Whether he is efficient and whether he can continue to be good is another thing. That's a sample size. But to me, I don't think that you need to see 25 more games of him being aggressive outside of this. But well, I don't, like I, I don't I think that, I don't think that Luke's got a sample size issue. Um, and since last year, we've been talking about how one of his biggest issues has been that he doesn't shoot enough. You know, he needs to be more willing to shoot. And so, you know, I mean, more of a sample size will show how he does while getting a much larger role in the offense, obviously. But um, no, I don't think that there's any issues there. And, you know, we do a lot of, uh, <laughs> we've done a lot of Dwayne Casey bashing, uh, which I'm sure there will be some of that here. But if, let's say, hypothetically, okay, if Luke Kennard, obviously he had a bad game today, but if Luke Kennard going forward the rest of the season, he's been he's the guy that he's been like, I think the last five or six games, he's been averaging like 16 points per game or something like that on good efficiency. The last three games, he's averaging uh, 18.3 points on 53% shooting from the field and 52% from the yeah. uh, okay. three-point line. So let's just say hypothetically. That's what the sort of thing he does the rest of the season, right? Like the rest of the season, legitimately putting up sixth man of the year, year type of numbers, right? Um, then, if that were the case, once again, that still needs to happen. But um, I would give Dwayne Casey some credit for sort of pushing the right buttons or whatever, because we've we've complained about Casey's handling of Luke quite a bit this season. How he's kind of jerked his minutes around, he's jerked his role around quite a bit and such, right? And that's not invalid criticism, but. Um, there is definitely to something or something to the idea that with young players, you know, you kind of try to push the right buttons to get the most out of them, right? And if that's what it took, you know, kind of jerking around his minutes and crap like that, if that's what it took to get Luke to really become more aggressive on the offensive end and just shoot and whatnot, um, you know, we would have to give Dwayne Casey some credit there. So... Yeah, I don't know if you've got anything else you want to add on to that. But. No, I, I was saying that on uh, on Twitter, talking about how, you know, I think I've been one of the main people. I mean, Joe was from the from the start was, but I think I've taken over as one of the main people to talk trash about how bad Dwayne Casey is. But I've said, I said that, uh, you know, as much as I hate Dwayne Casey, he definitely deserves credit because it looks like that he did press the right button with Luke. And, you know, I'm willing to give credit when credit's due. I do believe he think I think so far he deserves credit for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and kind of connected to that, uh, I think we could probably bring this up. Um, so it's such a tiny sample size that it's not really worth um, talking about that much, but or at least his overall numbers. But Kyrie Thomas has been playing a few minutes lately. And he's looked mostly pretty good. Um, he played 14 minutes in each of the last two games. Um, a lot of those minutes have come, I mean, today it didn't, but the, against the Kings it came at the expense of Langston Galloway, who I believe got a DNP. He did get a DNP against the Kings. Um, today it was likely because Ishmith was out. So, uh, But yeah, he's, I mean, you know, it's not a lot of sample size, but he looks pretty comfortable. Um, I guess here's the best thing to say is that 
especially with second round picks, there's a lot of times that they get on the court and it's pretty clear pretty quickly that they are not NBA players. Um, a guy that I think a lot Pistons fans might remember would be, if you remember Peyton Siva, for instance, um, he was a second round pick, point guard out of Louisville. Uh, when he got on the floor, it was pretty apparent pretty quickly that, yeah, he doesn't belong. Um, Darren Hilliard was a little bit like that, too, where I needed some things on offense, but it was kind of like, yeah, this guy doesn't really belong. Uh, Kyrie Thomas, he looks right out there. Um, he looks comfortable with his shot. He's been good on defense, which was kind of expected from him, but um, that's been a really positive development, and if it continues, it will continue to be a positive development for the team. Um, and it's worth noting that if he continues to play well, um, the the new front office, the new executives and such, they're off to a pretty good start. Um, they made, really, they made three moves of consequence this offseason, and those moves were Glenn Robinson, Bruce Brown, and Kyrie Thomas. Glenn Robinson right now looks like a flop, but Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas look like really good hits. Um, and then, and you can, if you want to include Pachulia and Calderon, um, Pachulia was signed to actually play minutes, and he's mostly been good, so you can call that a hit. And Calderon's a miss, but he was clearly, when he was signed, he was not supposed to be playing as much as he has. Uh, so, you know, that's a little bit of a less painful miss there. But, yeah, just... It's a it's nice to see um, the two draft picks that our front office made, the new front office made, both look pretty good in their rookie seasons. And it's especially impressive since both guys were second-round picks. So um, we all know how hard it is to find guys in the second round that can play. And, yeah, that could that's a good development. And also, potentially, uh, if both guys end up being legitimate rotation players, could potentially be really game-changing for the Pistons down the line because, as we've talked about a bazillion times, they have, like, no cap space. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for them to add guys from the outside over the next couple of years. And if Brown and Thomas can both develop into being legitimate rotation guys, even if not necessarily starters, um, so that the Pistons don't have to go, you know, garbage bin diving to find a, you know, a backup shooting guard and instead Kyrie Thomas can do that. That will that'll make a real difference for the team in the future. So, yeah, you got anything to say about Kyrie? Uh yeah, actually um I said to, uh Joe a couple games ago and this is I don't know if you guys want to consider this a hot take or not, but I, I loathe think that Kyrie Thomas may be better than Bruce Brown. Do you think that's a hot take, Joe? Uh, I suppose it probably is a hot take to an extent. Um, I don't think it's a... I think Kyrie Thomas is... I think if he was given more minutes now... Well, before I, before I get crazy about that, I just want to say I agree with Joe with what he's talking about, obviously, with all the cap space, how it would be major moving forward if one of them could... Uh, one of them... Uh, well, both of them could become rotational players and... Uh, another thing I just want to say about Joe, what Joe said before we get into what I was just saying. Um, see, like Darren Hilliard, like I, I was young. I was a lot. Le- I'm younger than Joe, so Joe probably like remembers it more. He was probably more into the analytical and and like analysis part of basketball by then. I was still just like I was younger, just watching the watch. 
but just from my memories, I remember Darren Hilliard like having a couple games where it's like, yeah, hey, maybe he can, maybe he can be a scorer. But I don't know. I, I'm not. Don't take my work. I was young. I don't remember much of it. I, I'm not gonna act like I do. But <clears throat> but outside of that, I do agree with him about everybody else. Payne Steve, I remember him and Andre had like some bromance going on, but he wasn't very good. And um, but yeah, I do believe that honestly that if Kyrie Thomas got more minutes than Bruce, then he would probably be better than Bruce. Because I mean. I, you guys remember like a couple weeks ago when Joe was talking about, well, you know, he is, I guess you can call him a good defender, but he does make a lot of mistakes on defense, blah, 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 blah. And everybody was like, and people were like getting on, I don't know if people were like really getting on Joe, but a lot more people were higher on his defense than Joe was. And Joe was just saying, you know, he's a rookie. He's going to make these mistakes. It's not a big deal. He obviously shows potential, blah, blah, blah. The last couple of games, he hasn't been very, very as good on defense as people have thought. He's made a couple mistakes multiple times, especially against the Kings when he fouled Buddy Heels like for no reason, just like behind from behind. But um, Kyrie Thomas, I believe, obviously has a better shot, outside shot, and I think he's a pretty good defender. Let me let me take that back. Not a pretty good defender. He's a rookie, but like compared to Bruce, I think he's not much less than he is less than Bruce, but not like to a point to where it's like. He's not a good defender on his level, and he can shoot better. And it look, and he's I've seen him cut, shoot the ball sometimes off the drib, uh, off the dribble and off the off a screen. So I I feel like that if Kyrie Thomas was given more minutes, he probably would be better than Bruce. Yeah, I mean it's a little bit of a hot take probably just because there's a lot of people. I suppose the definition of hot take is you know it's just kind of I'm just pulling this out and just gonna say it right because it's mm-hmm. not like and it's not even your fault. There's literally there's basically no evidence to back up what you're saying because Kyrie has hardly even played, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's not that crazy a take. Um, his shooting is the thing that could really tip that balance because, and we've talked about this a ton, um, even though Bruce is finding ways to contribute on offense, and some of them are real, like, it's not just like, yeah, whatever. Like, the fact that he's gotten his sort of drives to the rim under control because when he first started this season, even when he played in Grand Rapids, it was a freaking disaster when he'd drive to the rim. He was completely out of control. He'd just lose the ball all the time and such. Um, he's gotten that under control. He's got a killer first step. Uh, he can get to the rim and such. Like He can do some real things, but he's such a bad shooter. Even though he's hitting some shots from the corners, he's still shooting yeah, he like 40% the from the corners, I think, or yeah. something like that. But, you know... <laughs> Teams ignore him per, to a pretty comical extent on the outside, and that's a significant issue for the offense. And Kyrie Thomas, they're not going to do that. So that is a bit of a changer. Um, I think it'd be tough to say about the other stuff, though, because, so for instance, with his defense, okay? So as you brought up, right, rookies make mistakes on defense. Like, the last couple games with Bruce, that's why I'm like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit on the second coming of Tony Allen thing. Uh, He may become that down the road. He's got a good chance to even become that sort of a defender, I think. But rookies, you know, it's just like any other skill. It's going to take time to develop. And he got kind of torched by Buddy Heald the other day, Uh, right? So it's just, and that's okay. He's a rookie. It's all right. That's something that happens. But... I would be curious to see how Kyrie would hold up if put on to um, more significant of a defensive role, right? Because he's only played in sparse minutes so far. 
He hasn't really. He did get put on. Um, who did he? He got put on somebody in the the Kings game. Uh-huh. Was it? I think he got put on Heald or Fox for a little bit in the Kings game, and he got. I know he got at least one steal. They took the other way, right? No, yeah, he played. He got. Um, he got put on De'Aaron Fox, and then he also was put on uh, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that's right. What he played. Yeah, so he's gotten some big defensive assignments, but once again, it's for short bursts and such. And it's important to remember that one of the reasons that Bruce Brown over the past few games has kind of gotten exposed is that they're putting him in they're putting him in a really difficult defensive situation, right? He's a freaking rookie, second round pick, and they're asking him on, you know, every night to guard opposing teams' best players. Like he's Can guarding. we can we speak further on that point? Yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, you're you going to go complain first? about Stanley, aren't you? No, yeah, no. I, do you want to go first or do you want me to go? You, I, I think you have, you're have. you the one who has something to say here, so go ahead. Okay, I just want to say this. For anybody out there, because, like, before we, like, I used to think that most people were on our bandwagon about understanding that Dwayne Casey's screwing things up. But I, over, the, like, the past week, I've learned that apparently he has, like, some cult following that just, like, in Pistons Nation that just apparently thinks he's so good. So let me just warn it by saying this. If any of you guys think the same way as Dwayne Casey does when it comes to Bruce Brown on defense, to the fact that Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown is being played over Stanley Johnson for defensive possessions and like defense defensive scenarios. Like I understand starting Bruce Brown over Stanley. I understand all of that. I understand Bruce Brown starting because often for some reason it just works. So it works. You play it. But in the second half, when you're doing like defensive situations and you're going against players like freaking Donovan Mitchell, and then Buddy Heald starts torching out, torching, torching you. Why? Just this has been going on for longer than these just past couple of games too. But these past two games just made me like this is when I'm going to say something. Why is Bruce Brown ahead of Stanley Johnson in the defensive like stopper role? Because it's quite clear. I'll go to bat with anybody about this. Stanley Johnson's our best perimeter defender by far, and he's a pretty damn good one too. So why, like, why? Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Buddy Hill doesn't do what he did against us with Stanley on him, and I guarantee you, Stanley Johnson doesn't come off and just push him in the back like some random reason on a, on a jumper. So like, and, and, and I'm not even trying to come at Bruce because Bruce, I think it's a pretty, is, is a good defender for being a rookie. I think he can he's going to become a really good defender. But we're trying to win right now, and there is no way that Bruce Brown is even close to a better defender than Stanley Johnson. And it's just another one of those things when everyone's like, whoa, is that the roster? Well, that's a pretty simple freaking adjustment to make. You, oh, let's take my best defender and put it on the other team's wing player instead of Bruce Brown. Like, it's pretty clear that Stanley Johnson's our best wing defender, why he's not in the game. for It's, it's literally why there's been multiple times when he subbed out Luke Kennard simply because of defensive reasons. That is why he's doing it. So why is Bruce Brown the one coming in for that scenario instead of Stanley? And he's getting put. And in the past two games, he's been torched doing it. It's just it doesn't make no sense, dude. I don't get it. And then especially the final play of the game on Buddy Heald. Why Stanley not in? Maybe if you want to make some kind of elaborate excuse for why oh well before then why he's not put in yet, I'm still gonna laugh at you. But okay, whatever. But then the literally just one possession of defense, just one. You still are choosing Bruce Brown over Stanley. I don't. I don't get it, Joe. I don't. I don't. There's nothing. No one's gonna tell me. To make me get it, I, it's literally one of those things that confuse me more than anything else. Because I think it's so clearly, and does, it's so clear that Stevie Wonder could tell 
that Stanley Johnson's our best defender on the team. I just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's it's uh, it just don't get. Uh, it's just mind blowing. Stevie Wonder could tell. Um, I'm serious. It's just mind blowing, Joe. I'm okay. trying. It's just mind blowing. I know that you hate when I say this, but I'm gonna do the. And here we go. I see I the logic. logic. Okay. Some of it is good. Some of it I is really bad. So there's two different reasons I can think of for why Dwayne Casey is making that decision. Um, one is like, okay, I'm not totally sure, but okay. The other one I think is bad. The one that I think is bad is that I think that the Pistons, and we've heard reports of this, correct? I think mm-hmm. that the Pistons have kind of surrendered to the idea that Stanley's going to be gone. They're trying to trade him like they're fairly we've heard reports from people we know and it's also been tweeted publicly by other people. They've been pretty active like they're not just listening to offers on him. They're actively trying to trade him Um, and even if he doesn't get traded, they're probably going to let him walk this offseason is what it sounds like. That's how bad it's gotten. Right. And so I think that there's an extent to which. Casey is saying Stanley is going to be gone after this year anyways. Bruce is the guy that we need to develop for the future, so we're going to put him in these moments, throw him in the fire, and let him do that. Um, That's something that I'm not a huge fan of because, like, you still have Stanley Johnson, right? So why not try and, like, it's a combination of things, right? So on one hand, you may still have him at the end of the season, so why not try and use him in at least one thing that's a good thing for him to do to get the most out of him. And then second off, if you use him to get the most out of him and he plays well, that makes it easier to trade him, even if you're totally set on trading him, right? So I don't really agree with that. <coughs> the other thing which it's easier to see the logic, and this pains me a little bit as a fellow fan of Stanley Johnson. I think fellow. he trusts... You're no longer a fan of Stanley? No, I said fellow. Like, me and you are both fans of Stanley Johnson. I'm not as big a fan as you are, but I'm also okay. a fan of him. Is I think Bruce Brown has sort of found the way to give that little bit on offense that Stanley Johnson has never been able to get. And I think that Dwayne Casey has basically decided that Stanley Johnson is such a zero on offense that he can't be played in big moments. And Bruce Brown has found, you know, because he hits some corner threes, he can drive to the rim legitimately and get to the hoop. He can get offensive rebounds. Stanley Johnson has never been able to consistently do any of those things. And I think that that prize part of it as well. Um, I'd still be hesitant with that because Stanley, I think that the difference between Stanley and Brown on defense is significant. And I think it's significant enough that in particular against a guy like Heald. So like, if you think back, okay, so like Donovan Mitchell or like Kemba Walker, for instance, those sort of smaller, quicker guards, those start to get a little bit tough for Stanley because now he can do it, but he's not as effective on them because like Stanley's freaking huge, right? And he's quick for his size, but like against a guy like Kemba, for instance, like that's pushing his limits, okay? Against that kind of a guy, I'm okay with leaving Bruce out there. But against a guy like Heald, I mean, I think I've changed that pronoun- my pronunciation of that like three times, whatever. You know, I, on a guy like Buddy, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, do, I don't get it. Especially when, like you said, so they get the last possession, like you know you're just playing defense for a possession, 
Why yeah, would you not have Stanley Johnson on the floor for that? And yeah, so th- that's w- that's what I could come up with because you're like, I don't understand how he, why he would do this. Those are the two things I think. First off, I think they've kind of decided Stanley Johnson's gone. They've given up on him, which I think that's stupid. I think that's bad, but I think that's all kind of what they're doing. And then also, I think that Brown has earned. That little bit, I've got such a stuffy nose, I'm sorry, y'all can probably hear it, but I think that Brown has earned that little bit of trust on the offensive end that Stanley just has never been able to get. And I think that probably pushes it a bit too. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is what it I mean, is. Like you said, it. like I said in the beginning of mine, I said that if you want to bring up something, and I knew that what it was <coughs> As I was saying it, I realized that's going to be one of the things people say that, okay, well, Bruce will bring something on offense that Stanley doesn't do. Well, I, I still whiff at that. I think that's stupid. But especially like you just said, literally, it's one defensive possession. You don't have to worry about – if you're that worried about Stanley Johnson on offense, then you don't have to worry about it for one defensive possession because there's literally three seconds left and they have the ball. So just why? <coughs> then, then it just makes zero sense. It, there's nothing. It's just it's so it's just insane. It's I don't I don't get it. Yeah, that was it, it was also bizarre because like Reggie Jackson's on the floor for that possession. And yes, like, exactly. Why not? <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm not doing so hot. Um, why wouldn't you then? Because here's what I think they should have done: put Bruce on De'Aaron Fox, ding 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 ding, and then put Stanley on Buddy Heald. That seems like the thing to do to me. And then continuing on to that, is it like you may tell me if you disagree with this? Just like looking at the roster and the game, like before it even played, don't you think that like De'Aaron Fox is like the better matchup for Bruce to guard than? Yeah, well, that was like that was kind of bizarre. Mostly game because they had Bruce guard Buddy yeah, Heels mostly game like, instead of De'Aaron Fox. Which, I mean, having Reggie Jackson chase around Buddy Heald is not ideal, but I'd rather have him do that than guard. And for what it's worth, he actually did okay on De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox didn't have that big a game. I'm going to say that's partly because Buddy Heald was having such an easy well, going. yeah, obviously. But I just I, I just want to say, it's not like Jackson got totally torched. What was yeah. Fox only had 14 points on way not very good efficiency. He did have 10 assists. Ooh, 10 assists, no turnovers. Jeez, that guy's good. But, you know, it's not like he totally torched them. But he'll, on the other hand, 35 points on 22 shots. He utterly torched them. So I'm not, yeah, I think I'd rather have Jackson chase around healed because Jackson's biggest fault on defense is that he often sort of lacks the just general side-to-side quickness and speed to stay in front of ball handlers, right? But... He's given enough effort most of the time this season that he actually has done pretty well on those sorts of assignments where it's a lot of just sort of just keep running, chasing guys off ball, right? Yeah, you can definitely tell that he's giving a concerted effort on him, which is good to see. Yeah, and so I would have much rather had that. Um, I will say, other than that decision, um, in the Kings game, I did like, I thought the Casey had his rotations about as good as he's had them this season, which admittedly is mm-hmm. a, a pretty low bar to clear. But I like that. So like in particular, I like that he very quickly realized 
that Zaza basically wasn't going to be able to handle playing against the Kings starters. Too fast, can't do it. And so he kept Zaza then with Luke Kennard, which helps Luke get extra shots because Zaza sets really good screens. They kept John Luer with um, Blake. They fit well together. Luer's a really good cutter. He can shoot a little bit. And then also next to Blake, you can survive inside and on the offensive glass when Luer is with Blake. Because, you know, Luer's obviously undersized as a center. He he tries hard. He's not a total pushover. But, like, when he's got Stanley Johnson at power forward next to him, that's going pretty small, right? Yeah. So I did like that. Um, honestly, I, I, seriously, I thought that, that was, it was about as good of a rotation as Casey's had this season. But, yeah, the decision to – yeah, I, it's bizarre to not put Bruce Brown on Fox because – Fox would have seemed like the exact sort of guy that you'd want Bruce Brown to guard. So that that decision was pretty bizarre. And then on the last possession of the game, I don't know why you don't put in Stanley Johnson. Because, yeah, I mean, once again, like you said, you're literally you're defending for one possession. You know this. There's not going to be an offensive possession. So there, it doesn't matter at all. So I don't know why you wouldn't do that. It's, and it's not just this past game. He's He's been doing it. I just haven't said anything because. Well, we I haven't been recording, so. Yeah, he's been doing this. It just doesn't make no sense. So this is kind of a total flip around of topics, but I wanted to touch on it. So because we had some actual news about the team happen while we were gone, um, the Pistons changed their two-way players. Uh, they dropped Zach Lofton and Keenan Evans, and they added. Kalen Lucas of Michigan State University, formerly of Michigan State University, and Isaiah Whitehead. And then, an <coughs> excuse me, this is somewhat relevant because today against the Wizards, Kalen Lucas actually played six minutes in the actual game, like not garbage time. Um, and for what it's worth, so he scored two points, both at the free throw line. Those were his first NBA points. He previously only played in a single NBA game back in like 2012 for the Grizzlies. Um, but yeah, so they made that change. Um, I mean, I was, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. There was a brief moment in the Wizards game when Lucas got in that I was excited because I was like, oh my gosh, they finally had enough of Jose Calderon. No more. But then Jose Calderon ended up playing all the backup minutes in the second half. So yep. my hopes were a little bit dashed there, but hopefully that's a sign that they're like, you know, maybe they just aren't quite ready to give cause Ken Lucas only just got there. Um, like he's he literally hasn't even been with the team for a week, so hopefully it's a sign that you know they're they're gonna do that if Ishmith keeps missing games. Um, that'll be a nice thing to see. I'd like I'd How be do interested. You think Lucas looked. I mean, it's hard to say because he only played the six minutes. He looked okay. Um, I watched him in Grand Rapids this past weekend, um, and he was really really good there. So is Isaiah Whitehead. Um, both of those guys are good players, and I would be totally fine with either one of them getting some real minutes with the Pistons, um, because once again, they're both pretty good. Uh, whether or not they're good enough to really do it at the NBA level, that's another question, but I'd certainly, they've impressed me enough and have in the past, in particular Whitehead, because Whitehead's bounced around a bit, so I've seen him play in the G League a few times, and he has Every time I've seen him, he has really stood out in the G League. So I would be, you know, I mean, 
maybe they're not really good enough to be NBA players, but I'd certainly be comfortable with giving them a shot, especially over Calderon at this point. Although Calderon actually hit both of his shots today, which was a nice change of pace. But, yeah, so he played a couple minutes. Um, Yeah, so I don't know where else I was going there. I just wanted to bring that up. If I'm being honest. Um, I don't know, Koo, do you have anything else you want to say about the last few games? I mean, whatever, Riff, we haven't recorded in a while. No, uh, all I have to say is um, goodbye, Stanley. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I did surprise happening. We've heard the reports. Uh, I, I'm curious to see if you can get anything back for him at this point, to be honest. Because I'm not sure they're going to be able to get anything. At least anything of meaning. At that point, it looks like that just getting him off the team will help. Well, like, I mean, do you think some? I would it, someone even give them a second-round pick? Like, even a protected second-round pick? I don't know. Like, it might be, like... The sort of deal where they swap Stanley for some other team's disappointing draft pick that both teams are going to just take a flyer that, on. That would be fine with me. Like, I don't know who would be a good example of that. that. I think that would actually be ideal, wouldn't it? I mean, that might be your best option at this point. Um, it's probably too soon to say, like, I mean... Dragon Bender still plays for Phoenix, right? Like, what if they traded him for Dragon Bender? It's just, I, <laughs> I don't even know about that. Dragon Bender's been pretty bad. I'm not even sure if he's still on the team. I think he is. I'm double checking right now. Yo, Dragon Bender Stanley, is still on the team. Yo, Stanley is getting something back for him that might pay off. Anything is is going to be good. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know if you what you could get back for him. Um, it's going to be, well, it's it's so screwed up. I think to get him off the team would be good. Yeah. Well, you just want to do that because you think he'll work out somewhere else. No, yeah, that, that too. No, that, obviously. That will finally obviously. teach him how to shoot. It's just these rims in Detroit. That's all it is. No, 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 no. It's no. It's obviously. I believe he'll flourish somewhere else. But I also believe that that it'll probably just help the Pistons if he left. Because, like I said, if you're not going to use him for what he's good for, then you're basically just having him out there when you could have someone else doing what you want to do. But if he's not going to do like the things that he's good at, like on defense, like if you're not going to use him, like even when he's out there at the second unit, he's not guarding like the team's other best uh, wing player. He's never out there in the beginning, of the, like in the first half or second half at any time, just being subbed in to guard the opposing team's best defense, best offensive player. So, like at that point, now you're just—I feel like they're just playing him just because they—they they don't have nobody else at power forward to play. So, like, it, and I feel like that if you're not using him to his strengths, then you're just hurting the team as well. So you might as well just move him then. I feel like it'd just be best for both teams, both uh, both situations. I mean, it might be. So, I don't know. It's a tough situation, and the thing that's screwed up is that. The Pistons are so bad that, under normal circumstances, they clearly should be sellers at the deadline. But because this year 
the East is so bad. There's still just a few games out of frickin' eighth place, even now. Well, what's your, what's your definition of sellers? Huh? Like, really? Okay, this team is bad enough. And it has been bad enough all season. And remember, here's the thing that's disheartening, is that even earlier in the season when their record was good, most of the numbers still suggested that this team wasn't that all that good. Like mm-hmm. it never really it ne there was never a point where it was like this team might be for real. Like after they beat the Warriors at their high water mark, they were like I think they were like fourteenth in offense and eleventh in defense in net rating in the NBA. Um and but we all knew that was after a really easy schedule bit, right? And then it was going to get harder. So we all knew that it would drop. Like, that was... Your high watermark was, like, the 15th net rating after a really easy stretch of schedule. Like, <laughs> that's not that's not going to cut it. And so, to be sellers, I mean, like, they should clearly be, you know, trade Reggie Bullock, trade Smith, whatever you can get back for those guys, etc., etc., right? Um, but... I think, and if you trade Stanley Johnson, you trade Stanley Johnson for anything that's some sort of a future asset. But instead, I'm worried they're going to try and package these guys together to try and get a rental veteran sort of a thing, which that wouldn't be any good. What do you mean by rental veteran? Like what, okay, I I don't know who would be the best example of it, but if they did what they did for James Ennis last season. Oh, no, please. Like... I mean, I like James Ennis. He's a good player. But, like, I don't want to do that sort of a thing this year. Like, okay, I'm as positive as they come in the Pistons fandom, right? This team is so bad that I don't even care that much about crawling into eighth place. Um, I still hope they make the playoffs. I'd still like them to get to eighth place. But unless something changes so that they're actually good, I don't care whether or not, basically, that. I guess that's probably the way to put it. I don't care if they make the playoffs or not. I care whether or not they start to actually play well and be a team worthwhile, right? Like, if they play like this and they limp in at, like, six games under 500 just because the East is so bad, then, like, I mean, okay, that's great, but I don't, I won't care. If they start to play really well and, like, they win, like, 44 games, for instance, and the rest of the East picks it up a little bit and that's how they make the playoffs, I'd be like, all right, cool, we made the playoffs. But, yeah, so it's like just I have no faith that this team is going to be able to do anything with a minor deal like that. Like, that's not going to move the needle. So, yeah, I guess that's probably the way I'd put it. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that they should be – I guess by that definition, I guess I, I want them to be sellers. But um, I feel like that, I mean, when, when I've seen from, like, just look, watching everybody talk, when we when I've seen people say sellers, people think that means, like, just, like, trade Andre for, for picks and <laughs> and all that, all that. But, like, I mean, I think that you could, like, like you said, get get rid of Reggie. Not Reggie. Get rid of um yeah Reggie Bullock, Ish Smith, and get like and go after one of these point guards that are on the block that we've been talking about that we've talked about on the pod like D'Angelo Russell. Maybe try to go after him. Maybe They're try to go after Marco Fultz. What? They're not gonna get D'Angelo Russell. The Nets don't want to trade him. Not I'm holding out hope. 
not happen. Basically, basically that's that's what I'm talking about. Like trade one of your these players that are playing at a high level, especially like Bullock. Play one, trade one of these guys and go get another guy like that at point guard position that maybe that that possibly probably won't help you this year. Maybe maybe like they could like turn out to really help you this year because point guard play has been di- disastrous so far. But it would be more like a next year kind of move. I guess that's my definition of selling because I don't. But I don't really believe that doing a move like that would absolutely just pack in the season because the East is so bad. I feel like they, they could make a move like that well, yeah, that's where exactly, it would improve their ceiling next year and they could still make the playoffs. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. When I Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I was saying. Like You can sell yeah. off Reggie Bullock for a younger player, and the reality is the East is so pathetic that you may still make the playoffs. I just I hope that they're not just like, we desperately need any bump to get to the eighth seed. Like, if they see a trade... And it's like, such as say, for instance, okay, they somehow finagle their way to where they could, like, trade Reggie Jackson and Stanley Johnson for Jeremy Lin, for instance. Like, for whatever reason, the Hawks GM just thinks Stanley Johnson is awesome. That's the guy he wants, okay? This wouldn't happen. But, like, if they could do that, they'd be like, sure, man, let's freaking go for it. Jeremy Lin would make this team a lot better. I think he's still a good player, you know? So like that'd be like okay, be, but that wouldn't just be a we're just going to try and give ourselves a little bit extra umph to limp into the eighth spot. It'd be like make a move to try and make the team actually better, or just say screw it. Maybe we'll limp in anyways, but we need to do what's best for the future of the franchise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at with all this. I definitely want them to make a move. If they don't make a move, I'll be mad. Well, once again, the problem is that. There's, they're not really in a good position to make any sort of a move. There's no. I, I really, I really want them to trade Reggie Bullock. Uh, he's playing. I think he's playing really well. I think you sell on him. I he's certainly their most tradable guy. Ish Smith would have been up there, but now that he keeps getting hurt, obviously that hurt. That, <laughs> now he's hurt. That hurts him. That that yeah. decreases his trade value a bit, but. He's certainly their most tradable guy. If they're going to do any move of significance, it will probably involve Reggie Bullock. Um, involve who? Reggie Bullock. Okay. But that'd be a tough one to part with because I think he's really important to any amount of success, and he may be a guy that they decide that may be worth trying to keep long term. But I don't know. I don't agree, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm gonna have to cut us off here because once again I gotta I gotta be up yeah, tomorrow morning. Um, so any closing thoughts, Koo? Um, this team isn't very good. <laughs> the culture isn't very good. So have fun the rest of the season. Yeah, true that. So I think that's all we need to say. So stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.